Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. But I've been here since about five minutes to nine, so I've been here, been in my office. Um, Are you ready for the Word of God? Okay. Today is the last message in our series that we have been teaching, the second uh, letter of Peter. And it's been exciting to me. And I hope it's been informative to you also uh, in that uh, Peter, and we'll review at the end rather than at the beginning, but Peter has been, oh, teaching me a lot of things. Now, also, last week, we expanded a little bit from the last four verses of uh, second, the uh, second chapter of Peter, and we, we did that last week. This week, we're going to do chapter 3, and which is the last chapter of Peter. So let's open our Bibles and look at the screen, all your electronic devices, in chapter 3. And we're going to cover about four points in this chapter, and then we'll close on our review. And we're going to talk about the markers that Peter was talking about, first of all. Then the second thing we're going to do is talk about the seemingly delay that uh, the, the people thought was going on. And we'll talk about the third thing. We'll talk about uh, basically the destruction that's going to, that's going to happen. Uh, and the fourth thing, we'll talk about the diligence that's needed uh, during this time. So those are the uh, four things we'll talk about from the third ch- chapter of Second Peter, and then we'll put it all together, uh, those three chapters, in our review. Verse 1. This is now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following their own Lust and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. This is what these markers are going to say. Now, when it says that in verse 2, that you remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets, now that's in the Old Testament, and it was talking about. Uh, the same thing that mockers will come, and we're not going to go there. But in Malachi, uh, one, uh, the last book of the Old Testament, that in chapter four, verse one, it talked about the same thing. So it talked about in Isaiah also. Uh, but let's look at the uh, New Testament examples of example of what was said. Let's go to Jude, uh, which is the book just before Revelation. Let's go to Jude, 
and we'll go verse 17. There are no chapters in Jude. They're just verses. In verse 17, it says, But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you, In the last time there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. Well, see, that's not only in the Old Testament, but it's also in the New Testament. And he's telling them, Judas telling them the same thing that Peter was telling them, that in the last days, mockers are going to come. And it says in verse 19, and these mockers now, they're following their own lusts. Just like the, the, the false teachers in, in, in chapter 2, they were following their own lust also. And they were trying to let the people know things that they shouldn't have been uh, letting them to know because it was wrong. But anyway, it says here, these are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the spirit. So they didn't have the spirit. And you remember we talked about that. We told you in Romans chapter 8, uh, we, 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 we went through that, I think, last week also, is that in Romans chapter 8 it said that, uh, if you don't even have the spirit, if you don't have the spirit, you're none of his. You're none of his. So these mockers, they were devoid of the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others. So he's telling them, Jews telling them what to do in the meantime. I want you to, I want you to be yourself on your, on, on your most holy faith. I want you to pray in the Holy Spirit. I want you to keep yourselves in the love of God. I want you to wait anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is, of course, to eternal life. And it says, I want you to have mercy on some now. Some you're going to have to have mercy on who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. So some people are unsaved now. They're not yet saved. And they, they said, I want you to snatch them out of the fire. Snatch them out. Because if, they, if you don't snatch them out, they're going to be in fire and brimstone at the end, but you snatch them out. Now, of course, we know uh, that we have to participate with the Holy Spirit, according to John. And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. So some people, uh, you're going to have to just kind of put up with it and work with them, even though their garment is polluted by the flesh. That's Jude. So Jude is saying the same thing. Let's go back to Peter. Jude is saying the same thing that uh, Peter is saying here is that in the last days, you're going to have mockers. And these mockers, they're going to they're gonna come, and they're going to be laughing at you. They're going to be uh, trying to ridicule you. They're going to be trying to tell you, why are you trying to be holy? Why are you trying to be godly? Why are you trying to act like you're some, so, something uh, when, when you're nothing? Why are you trying to be more than anybody else? Why don't you go party with us? Why don't you do this? 
Why don't you do that? Uh, because might as well, because Jesus Christ, he said he was coming. Where is this coming then? He's been saying that for how many years now he's coming? He's not coming nowhere. Let's go have fun. You might as well have fun. No, 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 no. We're not going to do that. Because we know that through Peter, we know it through um, the Old Testament, we know it through Jude, we know that Mark is going to come. We know that. And we know they're going to laugh at us. We know, you know, that they're going to do that thing. Why are, you, why are you trying to listen to God? Because God is our Savior. Our life is here with Christ in God. That's why we do what we do. Because some people wonder why do we do what we do. Because of him who paid the price for our sins. That's why we do what we do. Now let's look at verse 5. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago. And the earth was formed out of water and by water. See, escapes their escapes their notice. Through which the world at the time, at that time, was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heaven and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of an ungodly man. It escapes their notice. See, it escapes their notice that the word of God is true. God's word is going to stand. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word is going to stand forever. That's what the word says. And so when, when, when it escapes their notice that if God says that he's coming back, he's coming back. It's just the way it is. It escapes their notice, really, that, that everything, everything is being upheld by the word of his power. See, it escapes their notice there. It escapes their notice. So God, you know, people are still trying to, science is still trying to find out, you know, what, 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 what holds these molecules together? I don't understand. We know everything's by... You know, it's got these molecules moving around. What makes it solid? What God upholds everything by the power of his word, by the word of his power. He does. He does. All he has to do is speak. It's going to happen. So when God says that, uh, uh, when it says in verse 6, that at a time that the world was destroyed, being flooded with water, well, if God says that, hey, this is what I want you to do, Noah. This, this is what I want you to do. And I don't care whether it has ever rained or dropped or what it has, has done. If he says, build an ark because I'm going to uh, take care of things and you need this and I want you to do what I say do, I don't care if it has never rained. It's going to rain if he says, build an ark because I'm going to bring rain. Did it happen? Absolutely. Absolutely. We know that. We know that because we believe the Bible. There's some people still wondering about that. 
But let me ask you another thing. It says that, verse 7, but by his word, the present heavens and earth. Now, the present heavens and the present earth is where we are now. We're here after the flood. So the atmosphere now and and, and, and the, the earth we're living on now, the way it is, it says it's being reserved for fire. But I don't know whether we believe that or not. But it says it. Does it? It's reserved for fire. Kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Just like it was in Noah's days, but he's not going to destroy it by water because he says so. But he's going to do it with fire. My goodness gracious. That's number one. Number two is that, you remember we said we're going to talk about delay. Seemingly delay. In verse 8 it says, but do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years like one day. Now, to me, that's kind of hard to understand. Now, I know mentally, since God doesn't operate in our time or time period, he's outside of time, a thousand years can be like one day to him. It can be. And one day like a thousand years. But that's hard to believe because none of us have lived a thousand years yet, have we? None of us have, have, none of us have, thank God, yeah. None of us have lived a thousand years yet. Matter of fact, there's been none that lived a thousand years, has it? Even Methuselah, it was 900 or something, wasn't it? Not a thousand, he didn't make it to a thousand. But he's saying this, Peter's saying this, is because people, are saying, in like in verse 9, the Lord is slow about his promise. The Lord's not coming. He's not coming back. Drop all restraint and let's go party. Let's, let's live for our flesh. Let's don't worry about living for God because he's not coming back. Well, it says, verse 9, the Lord is not slow about his promise. The Lord is not slow about his promise. Well, it seems like he's slow to us because how long has it been since he was resurrected and he uh, was taken up? How long has it been? It's been a long time, hasn't it? It's been a long time. Over 2,000 years, is that correct? But if, if a thousand years is like one day to the Lord, he could think and say, hey, he said, well, it's like two days, man. 
today. He said, the Lord is not slow about his promise. As some count slowness, and those are, those are the markers, as some count slowness. Well, why is the Lord waiting all this time? Doesn't he know that the world, world is getting, the people in the world is getting worse? They're getting worse and worse, just like in the days of Noah. Worse and worse. They used to just do things at night. Now they're doing things in broad daylight that they used to do at night. Doesn't the Lord know that? What is he waiting on? Well, it says here. But the Lord is patient, and that patient is long-suffering. He's long-suffering. That means with people. Not patient towards situations. This is people. That's patient, long-suffering. Toward you. Not wishing, and by you meaning mankind, not wishing for any to perish. That perish is eternal death, the second death. means that, you know, you're going to be in fire brimstone forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and through eternity, which doesn't end. He's not wished for any to perish, but for all, all to come to repentance. That's what God. That's why God is, is patient. That's why God is long suffering. That's why He's waiting. And how long is He going to wait? I don't know. Some people think they know, but I don't know. Because if Jesus doesn't know, you know you don't know. And I don't know. Because Jesus said that, that He didn't know. The only the Father knows the time. That's number two. We know the markers are going to come. We know they're going to be trying to get us to drop restraint. We know that even though it seems like a delay, since time is not a God thing as far as being restricted to time, one day is like a thousand years. So therefore, he's not slack. And whatever, however many thousands of years or days it is, we know it's because he is merciful. He's not willing for any to be lost. None of our loved ones, none of our children, he's not, he's not wishing that any to perish. But all to come to repentance. Number three. Things that we might want to drop restraint for and kind of have fun doing is going to dissolve. So the third thing is there's going to be a dissolving of this world. So if we are going to be in love with this world, if we want to think, this world is where it is. You know, it's like, man, 
there are so many beautiful things in the world. And, and they're getting more and more beautiful, more and more elaborate, you know, um, whether it be the electronic devices, whether it be uh, automobiles, whether it be homes, whether it be whatever it is. Man, it, it's, it's so many things that this world has to offer that, my goodness gracious, why should I restrain myself? That's what a person would think. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. It's going to come like a thief, it says, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. And the earth and its works will be burned up. Hmm. Well, if that's going to happen, why do I want to get excited about anything that's in the earth? Why should we get excited about anything? Really, think about it. What does it have to offer us? It's going to be burned up anyway. There, and everything is in it, basically. It's going to be destroyed. Just like the, in the days of Noah. It was destroyed. Now, verse 11. Since all these things are to be dissolved or destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? That's a question that Peter is asking the church. If we know that this is going to happen, it should give us a hint, hint, hint. What sort of people should we be in holy conduct and godliness? That's what it's saying. Because whatever you think this world has to offer, I don't care what Satan throws out there in temptation, it doesn't matter because it's going to burn up anyway. It's going to be destroyed anyway. Verse 12. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But Thanks be to but, but, but. According to his promise, we are looking for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. The church, he is saying, should be looking for his promise to come to pass. These mockers, all these people think that, you know, uh, God is slacking coming and all this sort of thing, people who are trying to get us to, to do whatever, uh, to, to loosen our restraint and not be holy. It is saying here that God has promised you something. What has he promised us? Eternal life. Eternal life. He has given us 
the Holy Spirit as a down payment for that. He has sealed us and is saying that since I have promised you this, you should be looking for a new heaven and a new earth. I don't care what I'm going to bring about on this present earth, just like Noah didn't need to be concerned because I had favor on Noah. Noah and his family, I had favor upon them, so it didn't matter whether I was going to get rid of all the birds, all the people, I was not going to get rid of Noah and his family because I favored them. The same way he's saying that even though I'm going to bring all this about on the earth, there is going to be a time where everything going to be burned up. It's not going to be anything. There's going to be some fire and brimstone. There are going to be some people that's going to be in fire and brimstone with the devil, with the beast, with all everything it says in Revelation, it's going to be in, in, in the Old Testament. It's going to be. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it's going to be people that shouldn't be there. That's going to be there because it wasn't meant for people. But there are going to be some people because they're not going. They're not going to choose to um, give their life to Jesus Christ, the only one who paid for their sin. They're going to pay for their own sin. Jesus paid for it, but you don't want to accept that, then pay for your own sin. But you, church, you, you don't have to be concerned about that because I have given you a promise, he's saying, of new heaven and a new earth, new Jerusalem going to come down, and there's no need to get, you know, they have some, they have some uh, commercials about, uh, hey, put your money in gold because, you know, that's what... That's going to be the uh, only way you're going to have some money. Well, that's, that's fine if you're concerned about this earth and these heavens. But I'm looking for the promise that God has said in New Jerusalem, the whole streets are paved with gold. That's what he says. What am I going to worry about having some gold? Right? Are you worried about it? No, you're not worried about it. Because you're looking for New Jerusalem. Is that correct? That's what Peter is trying to encourage the church in, is that you're not like the mockers. You're not like those who who, who say God is is slow in coming. You're not like that. You're not going to be enticed by, you know, whatever this is coming down the pipe. You're going to believe the word of God. So since you're going to believe the word of God, number four, God is calling through Peter for the church to be diligent. We know markers are going to come, number one. We know that there is going to be what some call a delay, number two. And we know that uh, this stuff is going to dissolve, 
Number three, so therefore God is calling us to number four, diligence. Diligence. There's nowhere in the Bible where God is not calling for diligence. Nowhere in the Bible. And, and, and there is there is a two things at work that you have to remember. There are two things at work. Number one, God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to do with whomever he wants to do it with. He is like the potter and we're like the clay and everything in this world is like clay. He does what he wants to do. He can just speak the word and it's going to come to pass. God is sovereign. I think sometimes we give too little credit to the sovereignty of God and a lot of credit to the to man. What we want. Our will. And man can do nothing apart from Jesus Christ. Nothing. 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 Yes, God is sovereign, but he also called us to be responsible. There's a responsibility of us as human beings to do what he says. And if we are slack on our responsibility, if we don't do our responsibility, then we're going to suffer the consequences. You say, well, yeah, but God is sovereign. He doesn't need us to do anything. Oh, that's true, but let me tell you. But it's false, too, because there is nowhere in the Bible basically tells us that you don't have to do nothing. You say, aha, you're wrong there because you do nothing for your salvation. Well, that's a lie. That's a lie. Not at least according to my Bible, maybe, now maybe. Oh, this uh, says Ryan, Ryan Study Bible, New American Standard, Red Letter. It's what they call the Holy Bible. Well, in, in, in this Bible, it tells me <laughs> that. In Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you what? Confess with your mouth. I don't want to confess. I don't want to confess with my mouth. I don't want to confess with my mouth. I'll think it in my mind. Okay. If you believe in your heart, I don't want to believe in my heart. God's going to have to be sovereign. He's going to have to be sovereign. If he wants me to say, he's going to have to say it, and he's going to have to do it. Well, he is. You can't do it. Is that right? You can't do it. I can't do it. But he's not going to do it without us. It's just simple as that. Just simple as that. 
Whoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what it says. Same Romans. I don't want to call out to the Lord. Well, don't. You won't be saved. God is sovereign. So Peter is no different. And he says in verse 14, Therefore, because of what I have said, because of what's coming down the pike, because you're looking for a, a, you know, a new heaven, a new earth, therefore, beloved, you're beloved. Since you look for these things, the new heavens and the new earth, be diligent. Why do I have to be diligent if I'm looking for a new heaven and a new earth, if I'm already saved? It says that you be diligent. It didn't say God be diligent. Be diligent is talking to us, the church. Be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless, and blameless. You say, well, I don't want to be found spotless and blameless. Oh, you don't. Oh, you don't. Oh. There's nowhere in the Bible that tells us that you're going to be with him, his bride, having spots and wrinkles and all that such stuff. Do you see it in your Bible? No. No, it's not in there. He's coming back for a bride that's spotless, isn't it? Yeah. So it says, be diligent to be found in him in peace spotless and blameless. But see, you can't be spotless and you can't be blameless without him. You can't. Because he said that. He said that. It's, it's, it's like, we, you remember we talked from the, from the epistle of uh, Philippians? You remember we talked that uh, one time? And in chapter 2, verse uh, probably about 12 and 13, in those two verses, it says that work out your own salvation. Why should I work out my own salvation? I thought I was saved. I called out to the Lord, and it says that whoever called out to the Lord shall be saved. I called out, so I'm saved. He says, work out your salvation. Meaning, progress. Carry it out to the completion. Don't stop. Don't stop. Have you ever seen a football player that he breaks through the line, a running back, he breaks through the line, he gets by the linemen, the linebackers, the defensive backs, and he's headed towards the goal. He's the fastest person on the field. Nobody can catch him. He's already 25 yards out in front of everybody. But the rules say if you don't cross the goal line, you don't get a touchdown. He'll be a fool to stop, wouldn't he? Carry the thing on a finish, man, finish. And you, you might have seen it uh, 
if they replay, you know, some crazy things that happen to some of these athletes. They spike the ball when they get on across the goal line. There's one time they showed a, a, a little flick of this dude spiking the, the ball on the one-yard line. He thought he was crossing, and he spiked the ball. No touchdown. Bring it back. You're going to start right there on the one-yard line. You got to cross that goal line. Work it out. He gonna have to. You got to run. You gonna have to run. He's telling us, run the race, run the race. Paul says that you know I have not, I have not attained yet. You know I'm I'm I'm, I'm pressing towards the goal for the pressing towards the mark for the goal for the prize that's in Christ Jesus. Peter is telling us, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found in Him in peace and spotless and blameless. Yeah, I'm, yeah, you got to work out your salvation, but you can't work out your salvation. You can't do it because he says you can do nothing apart from him. And then it says in the next verse, verse 13, it says, that, for it is God. Doesn't it? For it is God who is that work in you both to will and to do the King James said do the New American Standards on the screen say it's going to say not only to, to it's God who gives you the will, but to work out work for his good pleasure. That's what it says. So now, if it's God who's at work in you, it says work out your own salvation because it's God who's at work in you. Both the will and the do of his good pleasure. I thought it was my will. I thought it was. I thought, I want to do this thing. Yeah, you do want to do it, but it's God who's giving you the will to do it. Right? It's it's the sovereignty of God at work plus our responsibility. He's saying the same thing here. I want you to be diligent to be found in him in peace, spotless, and blameless. That's what he says. And regard the patience of the Lord as salvation, just also as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do the rest of the scripture to their own destruction. You, verse 17, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men. These unprincipled men were the false teachers. These unprincipled men are the mockers. These unprincipled people are the ones trying to get you uh, uh, to to, uh, be lax in your morals. And it says that, no, no, don't, don't, don't be carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. But grow. See, I want you to be diligent to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. And everybody say, Amen.
Well, it ends, the, the letter ends like it began. And so our review went through the four points, which was, you know, the, the marking, the delaying, some people thought, the, the dissolution of things or the or dissolving of things, destruction of things uh, that's going to come, and the diligence that God is calling for. Peter is saying the same thing throughout his letter. He's reminding the church, look, church, I'm trying to encourage you. I'm trying to encourage you. So let's look at verse uh, in chapter 1. Let's review now and put it together with 2 Peter is trying to tell the church. He's saying that verse 2 of chapter 1, he's saying, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. You remember that we've, we talked about that. So, see, it ended like that. May grace and knowledge be multiplied to you. May, 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 may you get that. And so, we need grace, don't we? we? We need more knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want, to, we want to be in this intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to be there. Then it says in verse 3, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to eternal life and godliness. So we've been giving it to it. It is a, and everyone has earned, it didn't say that. It says that everything pertaining to life and godliness have been granted to us by his divine power. So it's the sovereignty of God through the true knowledge of him. So we got to know Christ in order to partake of this who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these, he has granted to us precious and magnificent promises so that by them, these promises, you may become partakers of his divine nature. So God wants that. But then he says, now, your responsibility I've already talked about the sovereignty of God, but your responsibility is to, for this very reason, because of what God has already done, apply all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, supply knowledge. In your knowledge, self-control. Your self-control, perseverance. In other words, he's saying, grow, 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 grow. Don't be stagnant. Don't be stagnant. If, if God has given you something, whether salvation or whatever, work it out. Don't be, don't be stagnant. Don't be thinking that you have arrived. Nobody has arrived. God says be responsible so you work it out. Because if you, if you don't work it out, it means, like in verse 9, you're going to be blind or short-sighted, and haven't forgotten his purification from his former sins. You must have forgotten it. He said, but now, I want you to be, in verse 10, I want you to be all the more diligent to make certain about your calling and your choosing. For as long as you practice these things, as long as you grow, as long as you grow, as long as you grow, 
you'll never stumble. So God is trying to encourage us, do your responsibility, grow, grow, grow. Read your scripture, read the Bible, study the Bible, meditate on the Bible. You know, this is what you got to do. And, 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 you know, get the Bible, memorize it, uh, speak it out to your situations that try to come to you. You know, be diligent to keep my commands. And his commandments are not, they are not uh, grievous, are they? No, it says they're not grievous. So I want you to love one another because everything, he said, boil down to love. So he said, this is my commandment, that you love one another. You love one another. So, but you can't love one another unless you love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So I want you to love one another. Just as I have loved you, I want you to love one another. And nobody has, 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 has loved anybody more than to give his life for his friends. I want you to do the same thing. Give your life for your friends. Don't be just so selfish. Think about your own self because your life is hid with Christ and God so you don't have a life. You have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live. Yet not you, but Christ lives in you. Right? You know what Galatians 2.20 say? Come on. This, this is what, what you got to you got to know the word of God. You got to be able to speak the word of God because Satan going to try to come at you. People going to try to come at you and try to break you down and, and, and or either try to deceive you and you thinking that, that, that hey, you know, uh, you don't have to worry about things, you know. See, most people know that the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh are bad. Most people know that. But they don't think about thoughts are bad, too. Thoughts are bad. You don't do anything without thinking it. Thoughts are bad. Some thoughts. You know, they're, they're bad. Some thoughts. You got to bring your thoughts captive to the beatings of the word of God. Most people don't believe that pride is bad. Most people don't believe that. So that's why we tolerate it so much, because we don't think it's so bad. It is sin. I'm telling you, it's sin. So we got to get every ounce of pride out, just like we got to get... Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. We got we to get it in the thoughts. We got to get all this stuff under control because that's the only way we're going to love like God loves. And so in, in verse, in, in, in chapter 1, he's, he's encouraging them, hey, yeah, there's sovereignty of God, but hey, let me tell you something. You got some responsibility. I want you to, I want you to add to your faith that you have. I want you to be diligent to add all these other things, more excellence. And then he said, because Jesus Christ is coming. Then now look, even though he's coming, chapter 2 says, look, uh, I want you to know that, that you're going to have some false teachers that's going to try to get you to follow their lusts. They, uh, have, they have eyes full of adultery, full of uh, just, you know, they, they just want to, they, they want your money, and, and they, they want to use you, uh, and they want you to, they want you to, have no moral integrity about you. And they're going to do this secretly. Don't follow them. Don't follow them. You're going to have to realize that you're going to have to be diligent to be found in him. And that, that's chapter 2. Then chapter 3, what we just said, he's, he's saying the same thing. He's just trying to encourage them. You've got to be diligent. You've got to be diligent. Don't you realize 
that even though Marcus is going to come, even though they're going to talk about delay, God is not delaying anything because a thousand years is like one day. So he's not delaying anything. Uh, and if you think he's delaying, that's okay. He's long-suffering because he don't, he don't want your, your children to be lost. He don't want your loved ones to be lost. He wants your parents to be saved. He wants your children to be saved. He wants your siblings to be saved. He wants your coworkers to be saved. God wants people saved. So he's saying that, that you know, uh, and if you think the world is so good, let me tell you about the world. It's going to dissolve. It's going to dissolve. And everything is in it. And you're going to be looking for a new heaven and a new earth. So, therefore, I want you to be diligent to look for this new heaven, look for this new earth. And I want you to be blameless and spotless and at peace in him. That's how he put this whole uh, letter together in encouraging the saints. Because you remember we said that he's dying. He knows his time is up. He knows he's not going to be with them longer. So what would he leave them? He would leave them this letter to say there's a sovereignty of God, but there's also responsibility. I want you to be responsible, church, because there are people that are going to try to use you and they're going to try to take advantage of you or try to get you to fall from your steadfast position. I want you to, I want you to be realizing that you can do nothing apart from God. You can do nothing apart from him. So don't think that you're doing something. You just work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, but realize it's God who's at work in you, both to give you the will to do it and the ability to do it because he loves you. That's the second letter of Peter. And I, I, you know, that's a- Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.